We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The following content is brought to you by Orange Thunder, Paul Bramblett, and Abigail 13. Hey everybody, it is Friday, and you know what that means. That means it's time for the mailbag. Uh, today on the mailbag, we're going to talk about our favorite shooters, our uh, shovel shovelware problems. That's hard for me to say sometimes. We're going to talk about themes in uh, on video game systems, and we're going to talk about retro games. So if you did not know, throughout the week, I post uh, questions on Twitter for people to respond to. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at runjumpstomp and, um, you know, respond to the questions that I post throughout the week. As long as those things keep coming, I'm going to keep doing these mailbag uh, mailbag discussion uh, episodes. Uh, so if you want these uh, episodes to keep happening, keep responding to me on Twitter. Uh, before we get started, uh, there is going to be a bonus episode this week. I interviewed uh, some of the developers who are working on a game called Bite the Bullet, which is coming out later on this month, I believe on the 13th. And uh, patrons have already been listening to that episode. I posted that, I think, on Monday. Uh, so they've they've had it since Monday. Uh, but it's coming out tomorrow for everybody else. And um, that's a game that's coming to Nintendo Switch. It's a side-scrolling platforming shooter uh, where the the gist of the game is that you are eating in order to defeat your enemies, uh, which is really, really weird. All right, let's start the show. Before we actually get to the mailbag, of which I have a bunch of comments from you guys to read, I want to start with uh, two things, two news items that I want to talk about. Number one is Tetris 99, uh, the 16th Maximus Cup, uh, is giving us another chance to earn past in-game themes. So if you don't know about this, basically... Whenever they have a Maximus Cup for Tetris 99, there's a theme that goes along with that particular um, challenge. And if you earn 100 points during that challenge, then you unlock that theme. Well, it looks like um, they're, ha they're, they're bringing some themes back so that people who missed out on them the first time around can pick them up. Uh, so round one will be Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is a very, very good theme for Tetris 99. Round two is Luigi's Mansion 3. And then round three is Ring Fit Adventure. Now, I have not checked because I can't remember exactly which game it was or which one of these it was that I particularly missed. But I missed one of the themes that has come through so far. And so I'm going to have to check and find out so that I can try this out. The only problem 
is the date. That, like Nintendo is, oh no, no, never mind. It's not a problem. I, I misunderstood what I was reading here. Uh, the competition goes from August 14th until August 22nd. So uh, if you missed out on either Animal Crossing, Luigi's Mansion, or Ring Fit Adventure, make sure that you log on and earn 50 points instead of 100. Just 50 points are needed in order for you to progress and unlock that particular theme. Um, I assume that because we're getting these three, that we will have more of these in the future, which I think is great. I'm very, very happy about that. Um, and, and honestly, if you haven't yet played Tetris 99, then you are missing out on something really special. That game is 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 really fantastic. All right. The next piece of information that I want to share before we get to the, the mailbag is the Nintendo Switch sales figures have been released by Nintendo of Japan. This came out, uh, and hot damn, uh, Nintendo Switch hardware sold so far 61 million units. That's rounding down, by the way. 61 million units sold so far of the Nintendo Switch, by the way. And I was curious, how does that stack up against other uh, other systems that Nintendo has sold in the past. So we've got the Wii U, which only sold 14 million units. That's rounding up, by the way, lifetime sales. We've got the Wii, which had a lifetime sales of 100 million units. Uh, we've got the Nintendo DS at 154 million units. Switch is sitting at 61 um, Game Boy Advance at 81 million units, Game Boy at 118 million units, the GameCube at 21, uh, sorry, 22 million units rounding up, the Nintendo 64 at 32 million units, the Super NES at 49 million units, and the NES at 61.91 million units, whereas the Switch is sitting at 61.44 million units. So the Nintendo Switch has already outsold the uh, GameCube, the Nintendo 64, the Super Nintendo, and by the end of this week, I'll bet, it will have outsold the NES. So here's the real question. Nintendo's best-selling system of all time, and this is crazy to me, is the Nintendo DS. Uh, 154 million units. Now, the Nintendo DS was around for a long time, and it continued to sell after the 3DS came out because the 3DS was so expensive. Do you think that it is possible for the Nintendo Switch to become the most, most, the best-selling Nintendo, Nintendo platform of all time? Do you think it can outsell the Wii? And the Nintendo DS. That's the real question here. I mean, after three years, we are more than halfway to the sales of the Wii. After three years, we're less than halfway to the Nintendo DS. But still, it's pretty impressive how well that they are selling. Uh, Fisto in chat is asking... Uh, does that include Switch Lite? Yes, I believe that that does. They they are con they are taking the Switch and the Switch Lite into um, like combination uh, with each other. And let's take a look at software sales for the Nintendo Switch. Four hundred six 
million in unit sales. Okay, the Nintendo 3DS sold more than the Nintendo Switch. Okay, it sold more than the Nintendo Switch, but the Switch sells more software. Okay, we look at the Wii. The Wii sold 101 million units. It sold 900 million units of software. All right. Um, The Nintendo DS sold 154 million units and sold 948 million units of software. Now, you have to remember that as time goes on, when we go from the NES to the Super NES to the N64 to the GameCube and so on, as you keep marching forward, the population of people who are playing video games keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, of course, the hardware and software sales are going to increase. But Nintendo set such a high bar with the Nintendo DS that I'm not sure if it can catch it. Still, it's very, very interesting. All right, everybody, it's time for the mailbag. Um, let's start with my first topic. I tweeted this out uh, a few days ago. I said, what is your favorite first person shooter? This came from somebody asking me what my favorite shooter on the Nintendo switch was, but I didn't want to limit it to the Nintendo switch because I've played so few shooters on the Nintendo switch. So I, I just basically said, what is your favorite, um, what is your favorite, uh, shooters, that, that you've played. And let's see what, what people are saying. So uh, Diego Rodriguez uh, sent in, it looks like for some reason, none of these gifts are loading, uh, but I think that that's a Halo guy in this uh, picture. So I'm going to assume that he is saying um, Halo, but it's not loading for some reason. And my, my stream seems okay. So I don't think it's me. I'm not sure what's going on with Twitter. Maybe if I just refresh this page, um, yeah, it's still not loading. So, Diego Rodriguez, I'm going to assume that you said Halo uh, because I can't tell from the picture. Um, uh, Wild Kate on Twitter says, on the Switch, the Outer Worlds. I would... Okay, so I haven't played the Outer Worlds on Switch. I played it on PC. I didn't play a lot of it. I played a couple hours of it and said, wow, it's a really cool game and then got distracted by some other shiny thing. The Outer Worlds, to me felt more like a um, uh, more like an RPG but I just well okay maybe not more like an RPG it just didn't feel like I was playing a shooter where the main objective was shooting maybe I'm wrong about that if I'm wrong I'm sure somebody in chat will tell me um, let's see uh, Perry David said Metroid Prime is their favorite shooter. Metroid Prime is a really, really good game. I don't know if I would consider that a shooter. I mean, yes, it is a... I mean, if if we're just going to define a shooter as a game with a gun where you are shooting that said gun, then Metroid Prime is a shooter. But to me, Metroid Prime is an adventure game or a Metroidvania game more than it is a shooter. Um... But I, I, you know what? We don't have to have the same definition. If that's your favorite, then it's your favorite. And the same thing goes with uh, Wild Kate talking about the Outer Worlds. Charles Kendall says, Overwatch, for me, the damned game took over my life these last few years. It also gave me a way 
to interact with friends. I'm really looking forward to Overwatch 2. I have to say, I am also looking forward to Overwatch 2. I think Overwatch is a wonderful, wonderful game. And as far as multiplayer first-person shooters, that is my favorite multiplayer first-person shooter. Um, Overwatch 2 is going to give us a single-player version of that. And that is very, very exciting to me. Because I, I love the world that Blizzard has built in Overwatch, but I don't feel like we really get to explore it on our own because we're always so focused on uh, on the the moment to moment gameplay of trying to flank the other team or you know push them off the point or whatever it is. So yeah, I'd have to say Overwatch is amazing, but I can't wait for the single player content of Overwatch Two uh, to come to that game. I also will say, just to remind everybody, that Overwatch 2, if you're not interested in the single-player stuff, all of the rest of that game is just coming to Overwatch 1. So what you get with Overwatch 2 is single-player stuff and a graphics upgrade, and that's it. And I'm still fine with that. I like that they're not splitting the player base by uh, bringing it out and letting the first one die. Uh, Daz007 on uh, Twitter says, Bioshock and Goldeneye are both great shouts, but I have to say Halo 3. I still play its multiplayer at least once a week, even 13 years after launch. Uh, I'm going to make a quick confession here. Never played a Halo. I, I played a little tiny bit of the first Halo game, and that was pretty much it. Um, I never hooked me. I know that everybody adores those games and maybe someday I will I will get hooked by one. Maybe the new Halo game will be what I needed to get me into the franchise, but I've just never been really hooked by those. However, Bioshock, oh my god, that game is just so so amazing. Um and, and what a what a fantastic story. Again, that's a game that I would describe more as an RPG than a shooter. Maybe it's a shooter with RPG elements. I don't know. Um, but but man, Bioshock is absolutely amazing. The way that they told the story, um, the twists that happen in it. And if you've never played it, it is available on Switch. You need to pick up that game and play it because it is, it is just absolutely fantastic. Um, Goldeneye on the N64, I never played. I never played it. My uh, my friend down the hall when I was in the army, my friend down the hall had it, and uh, he would he would play that all the time. But um, m- most of us were most of us in my friend circle when I was in the army. We were all obsessed with Ultima Online, and so we played that game like it was our second job. We would go to work all day, and then when our shift was over, we would go home. We would log in. And we would all play Ultima online together. And we would run around in Britannia and have an absolute blast. I still have the cloth map that comes with that game. Uh, my wife is spray painting a frame for me. She she bought me a frame and it's been sitting here up in my, up in my office framed this cloth map of Britannia for, I don't know, like two or three years now. And I... I and she, she said, oh, by the way, didn't you want me to paint that? And I was like, yeah. So she's painting that. So... I can't show it to you, but it's awesome. Um, follow me on Twitter, and when it's all done, I'll take a picture of it. 
Um, I love that game. So much fun with Ultima Online. But yeah, I never played Goldeneye. Anyway, moving on, Blaziken. Blaziken says, if we're talking in terms of franchises, I would say Goldeneye. The N64 version I have nostalgia for and had many fun nights with friends. The Wii version I spent hundreds of hours playing, and I haven't had as much fun in any first-person shooter since. I wish we had a new one. Uh, so again, I already talked about that, but yeah, that's a really good a, a good call. I never played the the any of the versions of uh, Goldeneye. Um, Paco Ramos, R- Ramos um, says Half-Life 1 and 2 are my all-time favorite. Right now, I'm going through Bioshock, and I'm loving it, too. Um, you know, speaking of Half-Life, if you haven't already checked out 143 Pixels, you should check out 143 Pixels. Um, and the one of the first episodes, one of the... Actually, it might have been the first episode I recorded, but it didn't come out first. But there's an episode in Season 1 all about the original Half-Life. So if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you do. There's a link in the description down below. At least I think there is. If there's not, just go to 143pixels.com. That's 143pixels.com. Let's see. We'll do one more. Uh, Paul Klotz, friend of the show, he said, recently fell fell in love with Hunt Showdown. It's a PvPVE game that just oozes the essence of well-crafted, finely tuned, and the gameplay is refreshing. It's not your Call of Duty-esque run-and-gun experience most of the time. You are heavily rewarded for playing smart and methodical. I've not heard anything about this game, but everything that Paul is saying sounds really, really awesome. So thank you very much for the reply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Earlier this week, I talked about a game that I kind of classified i i might have been a little harsh on the game but i I classified it as shovelware uh i was not a fan of this game and so it got me thinking about shovelware on the nintendo switch and you know shovelware on video game systems in general and so i asked a mailbag topic i said and i'm on the wrong screen so let me bring that up Uh, I said, do you think that there is a shovelware problem on the Nintendo Switch? Reply with your reasons. Uh, 72% of us said yes. Uh, 28% of us said no. And let's go through some of the arguments that people were making. Uh, So I want to start with uh, Seth Scott, who actually I recently interviewed for an episode of 143 Pixels, and I have talked to him on this show before. He is... A game developer, he made the game Membrane on Nintendo Switch. It's a really, really cool platformer, and you should check it out. 
Here's what he had to say. He said, the crazy thing is Nintendo really pushed the eShop not being filled with shovelware. As an indie dev pitching to them back in 2017, they really made that point. Obviously, the problem just becomes more and more games and content on their eShop. In a way, it's free money for them. So basically, he's saying that it's hard for Nintendo to say no to having a game on the Nintendo Switch because that's money that they can't earn. If they say, you know what, you can't have your game on the Switch, then they're not going to make any profit off of that. And there's an old adage, there's an old quote that I'm probably going to get wrong, but it goes something like this. If, if a man's paycheck, if a man's paycheck, de- no, how does it go? If a man, if a man's paycheck depends on him not understanding a problem, then he's going to have trouble understanding that problem. I completely butchered it, but you get the idea. Uh, Jordan Williams, actually, hold on. I'm going to come back to Jordan Williams. Seth Scott actually did a couple of, of tweets here. He said, I've also stopped looking at stuff considered shovelware as inherently bad. I think the eShop not being really updated for three years is the true culprit. And people have resorted to figuring out ways to get some visibility on a AAA biased shop as was talked about here. And he linked this uh, Kotaku article where uh, developers were interviewed by Kotaku and they were talking about, you know, how do they get the attention of the average consumer when they're crowded out by things like Zelda and Mario and stuff like that. And, you know, how do they do that? They do that by manipulating prices in order to get higher up on lists. So it's a very interesting read. And uh, Seth was even quoted in the article, uh, so make sure that you check it out. I love the the, um, the the picture that comes with that article is from a robot named Fight, which I would not consider to be shovelware at all. That game is fantastic. Same with Membrane, also a really, really great game. Uh, but, you know, th- thank you, Seth, for the information. And if you follow the link in the show notes, you can uh, you can find links to all of this stuff. All right. Uh, let's go back and see what Jordan said. Uh, Jordan said, depends honestly. I chose yes because the eShop letting anything pass, even if it's garbage, and there is a lot of that. But most of what gets released physically is mediocre at worst. I only buy physical games, so I don't see 99% of the shovelware. And that's a fairly good point. However, Jordan, I will point out that you're missing out on a lot of games if you're only playing games that are released in physical form, because a lot of publishers, they can't afford to get their game on a shelf someplace. It's just too expensive of a a proposition. So I would say, careful, you're going to miss out on something cool that way. Leonard Strauss says, the only problem is the horrific way the eShop is organized. If it were easier to sift through the options than having so many wouldn't be a bad thing. And I guess I should I should clarify and say I don't personally think that that having a bunch of games is a bad thing. I just think that uh, what Leonard here is saying that it's 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 a needle in a haystack kind of problem that you are uh, that that you're that you're fighting against here. Uh Paul Klotz, friend of the show, he comes back from the uh the previous segment. Uh he says there is a lot of shovelware 
and they manipulate the shop sorting with the absurd sales they run. I'm not sure there's a good answer to the problem because we don't necessarily want Nintendo gatekeeping. And if they introduced review system, that would lead to brigading. And and he's 100% right there. Every single time that, you know, some game comes out, a bunch of uh, a bunch of morons, and yeah, I'm gonna say morons. If you're if you're re- reviewing a game negatively because you don't like that game, that's perfectly acceptable. But it's the people who review bomb because a a, a game that they otherwise like a lot features one thing that they don't, and so they give it zero stars, uh, or they rate it as as a zero out of ten or whatever. Uh, that kind of stuff is just, I think that's moronic. So anytime that anybody is given the ability to rate a game, of course the brigading or the review bombing happens. And that is absolutely something that you have to be careful about. Um, let's see what Richard Mortlock has to say, which sounds like a comic book guy right there. I like that name. Uh, They said, I don't think there's a shovelware problem, but more of a crap game problem, which I feel could be helped if we could review the games on the eShop. Say, say so many out of five stars, but only after your initial 10 games of play, when it shows on your profile, your total playtime in hours. And that I think is very good. If it shows that you've played this game for 15 or so hours, and then you gave it two stars... That, that holds a lot more weight than just showing that I've given a game two stars and nobody understands. Like, maybe I started the game up and, um, you know, I didn't like the font that they, <laughs> that they use, so I give it two uh, two stars. You know what I mean? I think that that's a, a really good point. Um, let's see what other people had to say. We'll do one more. Um, here we go. Um, Hughes Reviews says, I downloaded um, Sniper the other day because it was $2 and it's unplayable. In a game where you want to take long-range shots, objects don't render until you get close. So you can line up the shot and fire and hit the invisible rock that is in between you and the target. But you don't see it until you get closer. That's a worthless game. Um, That's a very good point. Like... That is a serious problem with a game, and because we have no way to review the games, uh, we we are kind of stuck with them. I did see... Oh, here's one more. I, I said one more, but I guess two more. Um, uh, it's Mr. Folland says, How about Nintendo could add the average playtime for each game on the eShop? It could say the game averages less than one hour of playtime, one to five hours, or five plus hours. The data could be taken directly from players' times logs. Playtime doesn't equal quality, but it would weed out the trash. So um, I think, and I replied to him, I think that this is a very interesting idea. The only problem is, how does that work with new games? So a brand new game comes out, and it doesn't have that information. You know, when you're comparing two games, a game that has been out for three years on the Nintendo Switch, and a game that just came out today, and you look at it, on the eShop and on the, on the one that just came out, the average playtime is like 12 minutes and the one that's been out for three years, the average playtime is 300 hours or something like that. Well, that's that's definitely a problem. Maybe do it as the average playtime as a ratio 
over the number of days since the game has been released and just turn that into a score that and explain how that score is calculated, I think that that's definitely something that people could do. Anyway, uh, you know, if this, this, this is an ongoing conversation that can keep happening. So uh, let me know what you guys think. I'm on Twitter at RunJumpStomp. Earlier this week, I asked a question about uh, themes on Nintendo Switch. I wanted to know what people thought of having themes on Nintendo Switch, because right now we have the light version and the dark version, and that is it. And uh, 15% said that themes are important. 50% rounding up said I'll use them if they exist. And 35% said that they could not care less. And I think that that is some pretty good data because that that says that a majority of people just do not think that themes are important. They either don't care at all or they would use them if they existed. And I think that that's the reason why Nintendo is not jumping in on themes. But let's see what people had to say. Um, Nintendo Fit said, I love themes on my 3DS. Opening it, and it playing 8-bit Mario music was always a treat. Uh, Matt, a.k.a. Kodiak, says, if they exist, they are good, then yes. If not, I don't care. Roger Dodger says, uh, I like themes on the 3DS. It was nice that you could set up themes and auto-change at random. Every time you open the 3DS, it was a different theme. You know, I play a lot of MMOs, and that's one of the things that I really, really like about, like, some MMOs will give you the ability to, you know, have a bunch of different mounts, right? Like I hit this button and it summons a horse or I hit this button, it summons a tiger to ride around on, right? And one thing that I always loved in World of Warcraft is I could just have a button for favorite mount and it would just randomly select from one of my mounts that I had selected as favorites. And that's really cool. And that would be awesome. I I would like to have a randomized uh, theme on my Switch where it just goes either the dark one or the light one. Sure, you know, others would be nice, but I don't care enough to really, to really make a stink about it. Blaziken says, I want themes. It just adds an extra flair to the switch and maybe a touch of personalization. I want to customize it. The simple black or white theme choices are boring. Uh, <laughs> Gamer Girl 2 says, ultimately, it doesn't matter. I like the dark theme, but I'd use a new one if, if I liked it. Uh, Bug Huntman says, "If uh, it says I don't need themes, I need folders. I have way too many icons, and the switch that gives me choice paralysis. Um, I would like to be able to organize my games into groups, such as completed, currently playing, never ending, etc. That's that's a really good good. You know what? I like that idea. Uh, and, and actually, instead of folders, just let us assign things to categories, and then you can select a category, and it would filter." Kind of like, kind of like Gmail does with your email, where it's not necessarily in folders; it just has tags added to it, and so then you could filter by those tags. A folder puts a game in one folder; a tag puts it in multiple tags, and so then you can look for things based on that one tag. We'll do one more answer, and um, it's Scooter. Scooter says, I gave you a like just for properly saying couldn't care less. A lot of people say could care less. 
and couldn't care less is the right way to say it. You know, there's a certain set of people that have already heard my interview about Bite the Bullet. Those are patrons. If you join the Patreon at the uh, early access tier, you get to listen to the podcasts early. In fact, this podcast that I'm recording now on Friday won't come out until Saturday. Uh, Anyway, moving on, I want to say thank you to our producers. These are the people who join at the producer tier or higher. Uh, And and all of these people have had an opportunity to listen to my interview with Bite the Bullet uh, developers already. Josephine, Eric, Smith, Jordan, Forbes, Matt, Hadfield, Bowser, Travis, McGuire, Trucker, Paul, and Nintendo Fit. Thank you to each and every one of you, as well as all of our patrons. You guys are all amazing. I appreciate it. You have no idea. If you haven't joined our community yet, you're missing out on some fantastic conversations with awesome people who like the stuff that you do. We're we're around 1,500 people on our Discord, so uh, make sure that you join the Discord by heading on over to runjumpstomp.com. While you're there, there's also links to my Twitter, my Twitch, my YouTube, all of that stuff runjumpstomp.com the music that you are about to hear is all is well, actually the music that you heard today is all by note block and uh that is uh, a fantastic musician that takes video game music and remixes it so uh thank you to them for letting me use their music on the show and i'm out of here i hope you guys have a great day bye-bye